Well, we've been in a series uh, that we're calling uh, Seven Big Questions from God's Heart to Yours. Questions are an incredibly effective tool, a teaching tool for us, ways for us to learn, but ways for us to self-examine and explore the condition of our own heart and our, our own uh, preferences, our own assumptions, our own uh, kind of convictions about who we are and what God's doing in our life. Questions cause us to, to stop and, and, and reflect, maybe make some course adjustments in our life. The question we're going to ask today is, why do you worry? Why do you worry? I don't know about you, but I have not had trouble finding anybody who worries. That's not a problem. If I ask around, has anybody ever met someone who's, who, know, who knows how to worry? Many of us, perhaps most of us, have developed some surprisingly good skills of worry. Not marketable skills, unfortunately. But many of us know how to do that. But... Um, we don't actually call it where we say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm just concerned about this. I have some concerns. I'm very concerned right now. Well, when does, when does the concern become a worry? Because it's okay to be concerned about some things, but when does that become a worry? I, I think that a worry becomes, a, a concern becomes a worry when we dwell on an issue in a negative way. Or in a way that can't be resolved. Let's say, for example, this morning, in fact, I was just thinking, it's another nice day. I think I would like to go for a drive to the mountains, up to my favorite place, Kings Canyon National Park. I thought today would be a good day for that. Now, there's two ways I could think about that. I could think, man, if I'm going to go, let's see, where's the, I think I'll have ice cream at Bear Mountain Pizza, and then we'll have a coffee up at the, at the shop up there. We'll go for a walk. We'll drive back down, have, have a dinner at the taco truck. Is this sounding like a good date right now? <laughs> right? There's an amazing taco truck at Kings Canyon and, and 180. Like, that sounds good. There's another way I could think about an afternoon to the park. Man, am I going to have enough gas in the car? And are the tires in good shape? And maybe it's going to be too cold. And, oh, where's what if my park pass is expired? And, oh, man, maybe it's, maybe, maybe Becky will get car sick the way I drive on those, on those hills. And, and, you know, like, there's two ways I could think about that. One is just kind of thinking about it. And one is worrying about it. I learned something new this week. Did you know that there's an actual, uh, that when a dog chews on a bone, it's called worrying a bone? Did you know that? That was new to me. That's called worrying a bone. When you take a topic and you chew on it and you gnaw and you gnaw mentally on it, you are worrying it. I did not know that it was that kind of verb, but... Boy, you just needed to that, see that slobbery face this morning, didn't you? Didn't that just make you want to give him a hug this morning? Worry is not the same as problem solving. We've got a, a number of engineers in our building every Sunday. And, and, and you engineers, you know how to think about something. And you're not necessarily worrying about your mulling over. Now, how do we fix this? How do we create a solution for this challenge? I don't think you're worrying, but you're you're kind of mulling it over. When I'm when I'm asked to build a little project in the house, I I just love to think it over. I'm going to build a little desk, let's say, and I think, how oh, am I going to do that? And I sketch and I pencil it out and I erase and I flip the page. That's not worrying. That's problem solving. What we're talking about is worry, gnawing on that bone in a way that isn't going to fix 
anything. Worry is probably a universal problem, although I think in America we might be the best at it. Statistics say that about 40 million American adults struggle with some kind of anxiety disorder, but experts say that the real number is probably higher, close to 60 or 70 million adults would say anxiety is an issue in some way in their life. Worry causes lost productivity in the workplace, but it does make the drug companies very rich as we medicate our worried minds and bodies. Some medicate their worries with food or with alcohol, which proves to develop some problems of its own in the long run. Studies, you know, this was interesting. I, I read that some people will use marijuana to calm themselves, but studies are showing that over time, use of marijuana actually increases problems of anxiety in a long-term way and in an ongoing, deeper way. Increases panic and those sorts of things. I asked a question on Facebook this week and some of you responded. In fact, many people responded, some privately and some publicly. I said, what do you worry about and how do you resolve it? I had no problem getting responses. No problem. I worry about this. I worry about that. I, I deal with it this way. I deal with it that way. And most of the responses had to do with situations over which we have no control. Including things like what is so-and-so going to think about me? You ever been to a maybe a, a social event, a party or something? You think, oh, what do I wear? What are people going to think about me? How do I act? Where, where do I go? What should I bring? Did I bring a good enough dish to the church potluck? Right? What if, what if people, what if, what if my, my dish isn't as good as so-and-so's? What are people going to think? We worry about all kinds of things. Or sometimes we worry over things about which we think we have no control. You know, I worry that I'm never going to lose any weight. But you know, I actually have some control over that. I'm worrying about something I could actually do something about. But I don't. <laughs> like I said a few weeks ago, just got to find bigger friends. That's it. Look, we know worry is not a new problem. Uh, in the New Testament, I'm going to show you, we're going to talk from the words of Jesus today, but the top three New Testament personalities, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Peter, all said something about worry. So, that was 2,000 years ago. So, apparently, this is not a new problem. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4. Most Many of you could probably recite this. He says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. About most things. No. Don't worry about anything. How about this from First Peter? We looked at this this past summer uh, as we worked through our series in First Peter, chapter five, verse seven. He says, "This give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you." It's a great exchange. I'm going to give my worries to God, and I'm going to let Him. Worry for me. Care for me. Right now, I'm a little worried that I'm going to overheat on stage. Bob, could I get a little 
air on the stage, if you wouldn't mind. Thanks. I know we've dealt with this. This is probably the third time this year we've come on this subject, but it is so important. It is so important. We have to come back to it, and it's worth checking what Jesus has to say about worry. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. It's, this passage is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, the, the most uh, profound and comprehensive teaching of Jesus that we have recorded in the New Testament. And so I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 6 is the first book in the New Testament. Big numbers of the chapters, small numbers of the verses. Chapter 6, verse 25. And I read to the end of the chapter. Jesus says this, He has just talked about treasure and wealth and money and did not store up on earth because it's not going to last anyway. And you're going to give yourself to serving money instead of serving God. And then he begins in verse 25. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Remember we've said how important questions are to teach, to get us to think, to respond, and how often good teachers use questions. There's another one. Jesus is asking a rhetorical question. The answer, obviously, is no, no, it can't. And why worry about your clothing? Verse 28. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Look at these mums in front of me, how pretty they are, beautiful they are in front of the stage here. So finally you have something to look at on a Sunday morning instead of having to look over at me. Uh, they don't worry about or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown on the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek first or seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. Jesus is going after us for worrying about the basic things of life. The fundamentals of life. And He's saying your life is so much more than that. Food. Drink, clothes. And we've talked about this before too, but you know this, in the morning when you wake up, what are the first three things you think about? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Right? What's for breakfast? Where's my coffee? What should I wear today? That's your first three questions of the day. Some of you stood in your closet this morning and you scratched your head or stood at that closet and you said, what should I wear Anybody notice if I wore the same thing I wore last week? I guarantee some of you thought that. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew that we'd worry about things big and things small. Even basic things like food and drink and clothes. So I'm going to pull three insights from Jesus from this passage today to help us free, get free of worry. First thing that Jesus says is, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. It's actually a command. Don't worry about it. And he compares us to the, to the birds in the air and the flowers 
in the field that, you know, who are well, they are well taken care of. Even though they have nothing to do with it. They don't go to, they don't go to a job to, to pay for all the nice things that they have. God takes care of it for them. And then Jesus says in verse 30, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? What if I'm too casual? What should I wear? What should I... That's how we... Then you extend that little silly illustration to like, what if I don't have enough to retire? What if... What if I get cancer? What if my kids get in trouble? What if I can't get my car fixed? What if I don't graduate from college? What if, what if, what if? We pile those worries on. On a basic level, you're not about to be unclothed. You're not about to be naked. Things might not always be easy. In fact, they're, I guarantee they're not always going to be easy. But right now, you have the clothes on your back. And as a believer, you can, at the very least, know that your Christian brothers and sisters, we're not going to let you starve. So at least those two things are covered. We, we also get our needs and our wants confused sometimes, don't we? Uh, back in the summer, I also shared with you the story of, of Louis Zamperini, World War II. He was a, a, a bombardier. And um, he, uh, he has an inc- incredible story. In, in this last summer, I told you, you can see it all in the movie. You don't need to read the book, Unbroken. And I was uh, severely reprimanded by one of you. And so I read the book. And you're right, the book is much better than the movie. But in this story, his, his plane goes down and he's one of three guys that survives. And, and they, they're on a life raft. And two of them survive for 47 days in the Pacific on a life raft with no food and no water. You gotta read the book. I won't give you the spoiler alert, but you gotta figure out how they do it. It's unbelievable. And one shirt, and then he's, and then he's, he's captured by the Japanese, and then he's held in a prisoner of war camp, and just suffers horrendously. And you know, he wears the same shirt through the whole time. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna wear. Sometimes we get confused about what we actually need. We might actually be able to live with a lot less than we think we do. Life is more than what we eat or what we drink or what we wear. So to answer the question, why do you worry? That's the question Jesus asked. We worry honestly because we lack trust in God. It's a lack of faith. Can we learn to trust the one to whom we've handed our concerns? You know, some of you, you've gone on a vacation and you asked your neighbor, hey, would you mind taking care of the dog while I'm gone? Or the plants or the mail or whatever it is. And some of you are like, I trust my neighbor. I have no worries about it. Come back. You know, Becky and I went away this summer and we, we entrusted Pastor Stephen and his family with our fish. They were worried that the fish would die. The fish survived. Still alive. He's unkillable. Sushi, the goldfish. That's his name. We inherited it from the Spinelli family when they moved away. All right? Now, some of you trust the person who's going to watch your pet, your plants, your mail. 
Some of you don't. And you think about the whole time, I hope sushi's okay. I hope, hope sushi's not floating around in the bowl. Right? And you worry about it. So the question is, do you trust the person that you've entrusted your concerns to? Have you entrusted your concerns to God and do you trust that He's trustworthy? Do you believe that He can be counted on? Well, what proof do you have that God can handle your needs? Well, the proof is in, according to Jesus, creation. Creation proves God's care. Right? You've never seen a naked flower. You've never seen a naked sparrow. Because God takes care of even the smallest part of His creation. Creation proves God's care. And I I believe one of the most effective and one of the most successful tactics of the devil has been to get us to doubt the first several chapters of the Bible. To, To question whether... Did creation really happen? Isn't it just a, you know, a, a myth that was you know, created by primitive cultures to be able to explain the cosmos? But now we're so much smarter and we, we, now we know better that actually it all just created itself. Yeah, that's believable. <laughs> right? But if you can be convinced to scoff at creation, you will not trust God. If God did not create all that has been created, He is not God at all. And certainly not Lord of all. And so, you know, you'll, as you read through Scripture, perhaps not every author, but certainly every genre of Scripture, whether history, uh, wisdom literature, the prophets, uh, the Gospels, the New Testament, all reinforce again and again that God is the Creator. We don't worship creation, but we, we are a part of creation because God is the creator. You can't tell me that every author of the Bible was deceived. If that were the case, the Bible would be worthless. Now, creation is given to us at, in part as a reminder that you are not an accident. Some of you don't feel like you're worth very much these days. You feel like... You don't have much ahead of you or that everything's behind you. You're used up and you're spent or whatever you're feeling. You feel like I'm just an accident. And I'm telling you, you do not have to look far into creation to see the intricate design and interdependency of all that God has made and everything around us. And Jesus says, look, just look at creation. Look at the birds. Look at the beautiful flowers. They're all temporary and yet they're beautiful and they're well cared for. And because God cares for those little pieces of creation, you can trust that He's going to care for you because you're His most prized part of creation. See, God practiced on everything else and then finally said, okay, I'm ready to make humans. Now, you know that in your head, but in your heart, you're still tempted to worry. You say, I know that, but I, I, I just can't help it. I just can't help worrying. And Jesus is saying, actually, you can. You can help it. And one of the ways is to contemplate creation. To look at what has been made. And say, see? See that? Oh, I can apply that to my life. Maybe we've bought into the culture's fears a little bit too much. A few years ago, I, I was at a neighborhood watch meeting on our, in our block, our big block. 
And uh, the outcome of the meeting was basically, be afraid of everything and everyone all the time. You are adjourned. That's really how the meeting effectively was. And I, I went away, I'm like, what? Like, that's it? Just be afraid, get a gun, keep your doors locked. I mean, that's really the message of it. I Actually, I, I know I worked with a guy who, who was just convinced. He said, Brian, it's not if, it's just a matter of when someone will break in the house. And so I have loaded guns stashed around the house so that I'm ready. I'm like, dude, you have a two-year-old in your house. You have a tragedy coming on your hands. Now, I'm taking care of my family. And I, look, how you feel about guns and all that stuff, that, that's up to you. I'm not making any judgment on that. But I'm saying, what's driving you? Is it worry? Are you buying into the culture's fears about be afraid, be afraid? Or, this, or are you saying, I'm going to trust the Lord? This morning, I opened the door to my garage and it was surprisingly chilly in there. You know Why? The door was open all night. My tools were still on the counter. Both vehicles with keys were right there. It was fine. No, I'm not going to do that intentionally every week. <laughs> or ever. But I have to say, Lord, thank you. Now, I could have been laying in bed at night. Gee, did I close the garage door? If that was the case, I would have run down and checked. So, And then I would have closed it. God takes care of us in surprising ways. There was a, a Facebook meme I, I, a friend of mine put on, and it said, Mothers don't sleep. They just worry with their eyes closed. <laughs> really? Do you know what Psalm 127 verse 2 says? It says this. Look at the screen. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to His loved ones. Some of you work too hard, along with your worries. Worry is really a poverty mentality, that there won't be enough. Not enough, not enough, not enough health to enjoy comfortable days. Not enough protection for your kids. Not enough recall in the exam you studied for. Not enough money to retire on. Not enough customers to pay the bills in your business. And and yes, you have a part to play in some of those things. But the poverty mentality of not enough, not enough is the worry mentality that we think we have to do God's part as well. And then that leads us to be stingy and ungenerous and hold on tight and hoard and stash up and like cling to everything. And the bad news is this. I've got bad news too. All of those things could happen. You might fail an exam. Or your kids might get in a wreck. Or you might have to work ten more years than you planned. But will worrying about it change any of those outcomes? The answer is no. There's no amount of worrying that's going to fix tomorrow's problems. Verse 27 says this, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, but you know what? All your worries can just can subtract quite a few moments from your life. You lose sleep. Your blood pressure goes up. No one enjoys the company of a worrier. Do you know that? If you're a worrier, people don't really kind of want to be around that. If something difficult happens, God will lead you across that bridge when the time comes. And many of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you've walked through pain and you've walked through tragedy and loss and grief and difficult times. And if you're honest, you'll say, 
I can see some ways that God was helping me through that time. We really have to stop trying to fix tomorrow because we don't have tomorrow. Yesterday's done. Tomorrow's no guarantee. So what do you have? What do you actually have? You have today. But you have something else. You have forever. We only have today and forever. Okay, so I know I have today. I have right now. But I also know I'm going to die. That's a certainty. And when I die, I will face eternity. So I have today and I have forever. Those are the two things I am guaranteed. Now, I don't know if I have all of today. Right? I have this moment. I can't control tomorrow. I can't redo yesterday. I can only respond to what's happening right now. And I am promised that I can secure my eternal destiny. That's all. Today and forever. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Right? Do you know that it's almost a year since the election? And... A year ago, some people were very concerned. I don't know if you follow the stock market at all, but some people were very concerned about the election. Say, man, if, if, if Donald Trump gets elected, the stock market is going to tank. And uh, Becky had a coworker whose, whose husband was convinced that it was going to be a problem, so they got out of all their mutual funds because the election was happening and, and Trump was being elected. And do you know what's happened in the last 12 months? I don't know if you follow the stock market, but if you had a, an index fund... You would have be, you would be thirty percent wealthier today than a year ago. It's gone up thirty percent, and tomorrow, guess how much it could drop? <laughs> Easily another thirty percent. You don't know what tomorrow's going to be. You don't know, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You have today, and you have forever, and that impacts how you prioritize and what you prioritize. And Jesus says we should prioritize kingdom concerns. Look at verse 33. Why don't we read this one together? Ready? Go. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. What a great promise. What a great, great promise. If you said, Jesus, you're the boss. I take my orders from you. You have no room for worry. You'll trust him with everything, including your health, your finances, your family. But truthfully, you could die in your sleep tonight. And then you'd face eternity. Now, if that worries you, if that worries you to think, I could die in my sleep tonight, if that worries you, you're not ready. Because if you were ready, you wouldn't be worried about it. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is the amazing, this is the amazing message of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that God Himself, the one who created you and loves you and has a plan and a design, has a purpose for your life, sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because you and I do not have the solution to create a friendship with God because we're not perfect and God is. And God, a perfect God cannot allow imperfect people into His presence for eternity. It's not going to happen. And so God says, I'm going to solve that problem, that imperfection problem by sending Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a sinless life and was crucified, who went to the cross on your behalf and on my behalf. And willingly took on him all of your sin and all of my sin. So that when I say, Jesus, I trust you to forgive me and give me new life, he will do that. And that means you are promised 
and eternity with God. That's the gospel, the good news message. Jesus, I trust you to forgive me and make me right with God so that I have an eternal future. No matter what happens, today, tonight, or tomorrow, I'm ready. Let me just finish with a couple thoughts for the worriers in our midst, which would include perhaps all of us. We want to live now. We want to prepare for tomorrow. We want to be ready for eternity. You do want to prepare for tomorrow. I will say that, right? Those of you students, I, I don't want you to say, well, if tomorrow's no guarantee and I have an exam tomorrow, I probably shouldn't study. No, I'm not saying that. We still do our best to prepare. We still do our best to take care of things. But we're not going to worry about those things. If you are a worrier, here's what you can do. Admit it. And if you have to admit this every day or every hour or every five minutes, you do that. God, I'm worrying again. I'm, I admit that I am not trusting you. God, I am expressing a lack of faith in you at this moment. And you might feel great inner turmoil because like, God, I'm trying so hard to trust you right now and I'm worrying so much and I can't seem to separate those things. But as you continue to confess that, say, Jesus, I, I really want to trust you in this and I'm going to confess. You can meditate on, on Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7 we talked about before. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Make your requests known to God. Give Him thanks and He will provide that peace for you. So, Confess your lack of faith to Him in whatever area. and Be specific. God, I'm, I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my retirement. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my kids. I just bring that to you. Ask the Lord. The other thing, another thing you can do is ask the Lord to help you differentiate your part from His part. Okay, I'm going to do my best to, to plan and prepare for tomorrow, but there's some things that I can do and most everything else that's God's job. God, help me not to do your job and help me just to do my job. And then the third thing I would say is examine your life to see whether and how you are making His kingdom your first priority. Do you prioritize the kingdom of God? Because that's the promise in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. and He will give you everything you need. He will supply. He will take care of it. I'd sometimes share with you the Time Becky and I were in, I was a seminary student. We really had nothing. We really had nothing. And, you know, some of you know this experience where two or three dollars matters. I'm thankful that we didn't really have Starbucks as an option back there because I would never have been able to afford to drink coffee. And we lived simple, simple, simple. But one of the problems back then is, we were seminary students here and we had a bank account at the Bank of America and you had to have $1,000 in that account so you wouldn't get dinged monthly for fees. And at that time, $6 monthly fee was a big deal. You know, somehow the Lord managed to help us to maintain that minimum balance that whole time with nothing. Just to save us that $6 a month. I don't know what happened. Partly because I drove... Kind of car you'd be embarrassed to see me in today, and wore kind of the same things all the time, and lived really simple. Ate a lot of craft dinner or mac and cheese, or whatever we call it. God took care of us. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer?
Here's one thing. If you know that you have any area of worry or concern, anxiety in your life right now, can I ask you to join me in a physical gesture? Just lay your hands out, palms open in front of the Lord right now. Just, just, just as I'm doing, just place your hands. And I want you to imagine in your hands is your area of concern. Right now, this might be your spouse. You might be holding up your kids. You might be holding up your, your debts. You might be holding up your vehicle, your education, your relationship. I'm asking you to just in a physical gesture to bring that to the Lord and say, Jesus, I choose to trust you with this worry today. Man, you might feel like you're just your arms are loaded up right now. He can handle it. Jesus, we just bring our worries, our concerns, our anxieties, our troubles to you today. Our desire is to seek your kingdom first, to make you known, and to know you personally in our lives. We thank you for your great love for us. And we just leave this with you, and we trust you to take it off our hands. Thank you, God. Increase our faith, increase our ability to trust you every day, and to find rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.